one of the big stories at the moment, the planned pandemic treaty of the World Health Organization. This is in the Daily Mail. Bill Gates warns, we've not seen the worst of COVID. Microsoft billionaire says there is way above 5% risk of pandemic generating more transmissive and even more fatal coronavirus variant. Microsoft billionaire Bill Gates has warned there is a way above 5% risk the world has not yet seen the worst of the COVID pandemic. The tech mogul and philanthropist said he did not want to sound doom and gloom, but warned there was risk of, even, of an even more transmissive and even more fatal variant could be generated. He said the risk of that happening is way above 5% and would mean the world has yet to see the worst of the pandemic. It is not the first time he has made such a prediction. In December 2021, he warned his millions of Twitter followers to brace themselves for the worst part of the pandemic, having previously cautioned in 2015 that the world was not ready for the next pandemic. Gates told the Financial Times, we're still at risk of this pandemic generating a variant that would be even more transmissive and even more fatal. It's not likely, I don't want to be a voice of doom and gloom, but it's way above a 5% risk that this pandemic we haven't even seen the worst of it. COVID-19's killed an estimated 6.2 million people worldwide since March 2020, but case numbers of deaths have been dropping in recent weeks. I've talked before about where those case numbers and deaths come from, but in brief, they come from a test that can't test for any virus and people being diagnosed on symptoms and then dying or people testing positive with a test that can't test for any virus and then dying within 28 days or more and that then goes on there. COVID goes on the death certificate. Gates's warning comes after Dr. Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, Director General of the World Health Organization. This week was warned that people still need to be wary of the virus and that decreases in overall testing and COVID surveillance in many countries left the world at risk to a resurgence of the virus. Gates, who releases his new book, How to Prevent the Next Pandemic on Tuesday, did he really write it? Advised governments across the world to invest in a team of epidemiologists and computer modelers to help identify global health threats in the future. He called his plan the Global Epidemic Response and Mobilisation Initiative and said it should be managed by the World Health Organisation, the only body he claimed was capable to build and manage the top-notch team of experts at the cost of around a billion dollars a year. He said the WHO's current funding model was not at all serious about pandemics and that less than 10 people have been working full-time on outbreak preparedness while also being distracted with other activities. Gates' comments come at the end of a week when daily COVID hospitalizations in the UK hit a two-month low and deaths plunged 40% in a week. Government dashboard data, which is becoming increasingly unreliable now that free testing has been scrapped, showed there were 1,186 admissions for the virus across the UK on April 23rd, according to a test that doesn't know what viruses are. It marked a near 18% decrease on the previous week and a 36% fall in a fortnight. It was also the lowest number since February 27th when there were 1,101 admissions. And how many of those admissions to hospital are suffering the effects of the fake vaccine? Which I've talked about in detail before. Separate NHS figures show more than half of patients with COVID in hospitals are not primarily sick with the virus in another promising sign. Data from the Office for National Statistics suggests 2.4 million people in England were infected with the virus, equivalent to 1 in 25 people down by a quarter on the previous week. The huge surveillance the huge surveillance study based on swabs of 120,000 people and considered the best way of measuring the nation's outbreak. 
logged its lowest figure since the beginning of February 26th. The drop-off, uh, February 26th even, the drop-off comes just weeks after NHS leaders call for face masks and outdoor mixing to return to cut COVID rates and take pressure off the health service. So Bill Gates is now saying what the alternative media were saying about COVID back in the spring of 2020, which is that even if the virus existed, you were looking at a fairly low fatality rate. Gates said recently, we didn't understand that it's a fairly low fatality rate and that it's a disease mainly in the elderly, kind of like flu. Well, flu has dropped to zero in country after country while COVID was said to be on the rise. I know some people claim that COVID was redesignated flu, but that maintains the myth that flu exists when flu and cold viruses have also never been proven to exist, as with all other viruses. Flu-like symptoms have been redesignated COVID symptoms. I talk in the new book about how cold and flu symptoms can come about and it's nothing to do with viruses. Bill Gates is correct in that we have not seen the worst of COVID because we haven't seen anything of COVID because it doesn't exist, as I've been pointing out since the spring of 2020. The elderly were claimed to have been affected by COVID, not least because of the murder of elderly people with a drug called midazolam in combination with morphine. There's a brilliant documentary that looks at this and speaks to family members of loved ones who have been killed in this way called A Good Death, and it's on the iconic media platform. There's a a seven-day free trial if you want to watch that. In America, the drug was remdesivir. The same thing happened with another drug in Italy and other countries. The virus was said to be rampant in care homes for this reason. Elderly people also die more often than younger people anyway. When Bill Gates is speaking, he's articulating the cult's agenda, this global cult that I talk about, and I actually go into um, more detail than ever before about this cult in the new book. So it's always worth listening to what Bill Gates is saying because he knows what's planned at any point in time. They may well be planning to bring COVID back or another virus. I describe in the new book how the variants are computer-generated fiction as is the original virus, and comprehensively examine viral science, or the lack of it, and the COVID hoax across three chapters. The first chapter looks at the hoax itself, the second names many of the names responsible, and looks at the structure of the hoax, how the, it was pulled off, how it was operated, the structure of the organisation, and the psychological manipulation employed to pull off the hoax, and the, the final chapter looking at COVID, looks in detail at the COVID fake vaccine. I say fake vaccine because it doesn't even officially stop transmission or infection. A new variant being announced is a new computer code being announced. Nothing more. Nothing more. Gates is saying that there is a way above 5% chance that a new variant could signal the return of COVID. So there's a 95% chance it went. 100% I would say, but even by Gates' comments, 95% chance that it won't. Ted Ross is quoted in the article as saying that people still needed to be wary of the virus and that decreases in overall testing and COVID surveillance in many countries left the world at risk to a resurgence of the virus because he just says whatever Gates, who owns the World Health Organization through funding, wants him to say. Ted Ross, a criminal from Ethiopia who covered up cholera, in uh, epidemics in 2006, 2009 and 2011 when he was Ethiopian health minister 
was on the board of the Gates-created organization called GAVI, the Vaccine Alliance, before becoming World Health Organization Director General. Gates says there needs to be a new system to manage pandemics run through the World Health Organization. And he's talking about the pandemic treating. So here's an article in The Telegraph. Exclusive world leaders call for pandemic treaty. The world needs a global settlement like that forged after the Second World War to protect countries in the wake of COVID, Boris Johnson and other world leaders have said. Writing for the Telegraph on Tuesday, Mr. Johnson, Emmanuel Macron, the French president and Angela Merkel, the German chancellor, said the virus pandemic had been a stark and painful reminder that nobody is safe until everyone is safe. Amid growing international tension over vaccine supplies that called for an end to isolationism and nationalism in favour of a new era of solidarity. The call by 24 world leaders, alongside Dr. Tedros, the World Health Organization criminal chief, is made in the Telegraph and newspapers across the world, including Le Monde, France, El Pais in Spain, and Frankfurter Allgemeine Zeitung in Germany. I'm going to come to the coordination, or the connection, I should say, between these world leaders in a second. The leader said a treaty akin to the settlement forged in the aftermath of the war was needed to build cross-border cooperation ahead of the next international health crisis, which is in the planning already to be announced, just like COVID was before it happened. Descri or didn't happen. Describing COVID as the biggest challenge to the global community since the 1940s. They wrote, at that time, following the devastation of two world wars, political leaders came together to forge the multilateral system. The aims were clear to bring countries together. The aims were clear to bring countries together to dispel the temptations of isolationism and nationalism and to address the challenges that can only be achieved together in the spirit of solidarity and cooperation, namely peace, prosperity, health and security. A treaty on pandemics should lead to more mutual accountability and shared responsibility, transparency and cooperation within the international system and with its rules and norms, the leaders said. The joint article comes in the wake of deepening strain between Britain and the European Union over the production and distribution of COVID vaccines. The European Commission has threatened to block shipments of potentially millions of AstraZeneca jabs, good, from the company's Halix plant in the Netherlands to the UK following fury in Brussels about the company falling short in its deliveries so far this year. There is some good news then. On Monday night, Mr Johnson unveiled his latest move to ensure the resilience of the UK's domestic vaccine supply chains amid the threat of jabs trade wars. He announced that the government's vaccine task force clinched a deal with the British pharmaceutical giant GlaxoSmithKline to fill and finish 60 million doses of the new Navavax vaccine at a plant in Barnard Castle in the northeast. The agreement removes the need for doses of Novavax, which Mr Johnson called a potentially significant new weapon in our armory against COVID to be sent to Germany to be put in vials. A Downing Street source said the move was motivated in part by a desire to pour investment into the UK's domestic vaccine manufacturing capability while also making the nation's vaccine supplies more secure. The Novavax jab has undergone phase three clinical trials. Not that that means anything. I talk about the trials in the new book and is expected to be approved by the UK Medicines Regulator in the coming weeks. It is expected that doses will start being processed in the UK from May. Mr Johnson acknowledged that Monday was a big day for many Britons as they were allowed to see friends and family outdoors for the first time since the most recent lockdown began in January. Here's an article on Children's Health Defence website, uh, which is uh, connected to John F. Kennedy Jr., who has been a, a passionate voice against mandated vaccines. And this is the article, Who, World Health Organization, Who Pandemic Treaty, What It Is, Why It Matters, and How to Stop It. 
The World Health Organization has started drafting a global pandemic treaty on pandemic preparedness that would grant it absolute power over global biosecurity, such as the power to implement digital identities, vaccine passports, mandatory vaccinations, travel restrictions, standardized medical care, and more. A one-size-fits-all approach to pandemic response simply does not work because pandemic threats are not identical in all parts of the world. Even people in the same region do not have identical risk and may not need or benefit from identical treatment if you believe that viruses exist. The World Health Organization will accept two more days of public comment on the treaty, June 16th and 17th. So prepare your statements now. The World the World Health Assembly will also vote on amendments to the International Health Regulations May 22nd to 28th, which may also strip away more individual rights and liberties. If you go on Twitter and type in pandemic treaty into the search engine, you can find petitions to sign. I mean, petitions on their own don't do anything, but the more pushback there is, the less likely it is that this will go ahead. And the article says, the globalists that brought us the wildly exaggerated COVID pandemic, wildly exaggerated, and as in it doesn't, it, the virus doesn't exist. And, in a, and if you got high enough in the hierarchy of this COVID hoax, it, it's been known all along that it doesn't exist. In an effort to cement a biosecurity grid into place and how hard at work on the next phase, the World Health Organization has started drafting a global pandemic treaty on pandemic preparedness that would grant it absolute power over global biosecurity, such as the power to implement digital identities, vaccine passports, and all those things I read out just now. And it says there's there's been a recent episode of the Corbett Report, James Corbett, looking at this pandemic treaty, if you're interested in that. Uh, he's done some good reports, James Corbett. I have to say, I've seen some good stuff that he's done. The article says, make no mistake, the WHO pandemic treaty is a direct attack on the sovereignty of its member states as well as a direct attack on your bodily autonomy, a backdoor to global governance. It seems likely that the WHO is being installed as as a de facto governing body for the global deep state. And that's exactly what is happening. Through the World Health Organization, under the guise of biosecurity, the globalist cabal who seek to win everything and control everyone. This is what I call the global cult will then be able to implement their wishes across the whole world in one foul sweep. Within, with this treaty in place, all member nations will be subject to the WHO's diktats. If the WHO says every person on the planet needs to have a vaccine passport and digital identity to ensure vaccination compliance, then that's what every country will be forced to implement, even if the people have rejected such plans using local democratic processes. And it's about taking power away from government and placing it into the hands of the World Health Organization, which is owned by... Bill Gates, who is owned by the cult. As noted by Corbett, these negotiations are already well underway and the treaty is expected to be fully implemented in 2024. That is, unless the people of the world wake up to what's happening and beat back this monstrosity. Under the guise of a global pandemic, the WHO, the World Economic Forum, and all its installed leaders in government and private business were able to roll out a plan that had already been decades in the making. The pandemic was a perfect cover. In the name of keeping everyone safe from infection, the globalists justified unprecedented attacks on democracy, civil liberties and personal freedoms, including the right to choose your own medical treatment. Now the WHO is gearing up to make its pandemic leadership permanent, extend it into the healthcare systems of every nation and eventually implement a universal socialist-like healthcare system as part of the Great Reset. While this is not currently being discussed, there's every reason to suspect that this is part of the plan. WHO Director General Ted Ross has previously stated that his central priority as Director General of WHO is to push the world toward universal health coverage. 
And considering the WHO changed its definition of pandemic to a worldwide epidemic of the disease without the original specificity of severe illness that causes high morbidity, just about anything could be made to fit the pandemic criterion. The whole premise behind this pandemic treaty is that shared threat requires shared response, but a given threat is almost never equally shared across regions. The World Health Organization intends to eliminate individualized medicine and provide blanket rulings for a given and provide blanket rulings for how a given threat is to be addressed. Without a doubt, this can only result in needless suffering, not to mention the loss of individual freedom. To give us an idea of how the WHO might end up misusing this new proposed international instrument on pandemic prevention, preparedness and response, we can look at the international health regulations, which the US signed on to in 2005. The IHR is what empowered the World Health Organization to declare a public health emergency of international concern. This is a special legal category that allows the WHO to initiate certain contracts and procedures, including drug and vaccine contracts. As noted by Corbett, James Corbett, the IHR allows the unelected director general of the WHO to simply declare a PHEIC and suddenly all member states have to dance to its tune. It basically grants the WHO dictatorial powers over health policy. PHEICs included the phony swine flu outbreak, uh, in 2009, the, the inconsequential Zika outbreak in 2016, the overhyped Ebola outbreak in 2019, and of course the massively exaggerated COVID pandemic in 2020, none of which, uh, or all of which rather, are based on viruses that have never been proven to exist. All of these PHEICs were poorly handled and the WHO was criticised as inept and corrupt in their weight. So to summarise through the IHR, the WHO has already been significantly empowered to dictate global health policy with regards to pandemics, and they use that power to bamboozle the nations of the world into spending billions of dollars on countermeasures, especially drugs and vaccines that didn't work very well. In that sense, the WHO is just uh, another wealth transfer instrument. The WHO's big pharma collaborators make billions on the taxpayers' dime, while the people of the world are left to suffer the consequences of fast-track vaccines. In handling its handling of the COVID pandemic in particular has been unprecedentedly bad. They were behind the withholding of early treatment with safe medicines worldwide, as noted by Ivermectin Advocate. The IHR overrode and superseded the U.S. Constitution from the start, but in January, the U.S. also submitted regulatory amendments that would give the WHO even more power to restrict your rights and freedoms. May 22nd to 28th, the World Health Assembly will gather and vote on these amendments to the IHR if passed, they will be enacted into international law. These submitted amendments are in addition to the WHO pandemic treaty currently under discussion as reported by Health Policy Watch February 23rd. They say, Washington wants to fast track a series of nitty gritty but far reaching changes in the existing international health regulations that govern the WHO and member state emergency alert in response for consideration of this year's World Health Assembly 22nd the 28th of May. The U.S. proposal for major IHR rule changes obtained by Health Policy Watch has been a topic of discussion in a series of closed-door meetings of WHO member states which are considering ways to reform the existing IHR as well as advancing a whole new WHO convention or other international instrument on pandemic prevention and response. The U.S. is expected the U.S. is expected to lead a parallel track of tightly paced and formal member state negotiations to reach consensus on an IHR reform resolution for approval at this year's 75th World Health Assembly. The new who convention or other international instrument mentioned uh, in that quote refers to the WHO treaty currently under discussion, the, uh, the uh, Children's Health Defence article says.
an intergovernmental negotiating body was established as a subdivision of the World Health Assembly in December 2021 for the purpose of drafting and negotiating this new pandemic treaty. And as mentioned, this IMB has begun that work. However, as noted by Corbett, this is only the second time in the WHO's history that an IMB has been established. The first one was the IMB of the WHO Framework Convention on Tobacco Control 22 years ago. So this is not a well-established process and it's hard for it to have it play out. Another clue the article says about what the WHO intends to do with more power comes from its primary funder and owner, Bill Gates, who recently announced he's building a pandemic response team for the WHO, which he would like to be called the Global Epidemic Response and Mobilization, or GERM team. This team will be made up of thousands of disease experts under WHO's purview and will monitor nations and decide whether they, when they need to suspend civil liberties, force populations to wear masks and close borders to capture signal reports. Of course, Gates is also the largest funder of the WHO, uh, it says, uh, and other relationships speak volumes about the corruption still ruling the WHO. At the end of the day, Gates is basically playing, paying the WHO to dictate to the world what they must do to make Gates a ton of money, as noted by the counter-signal. And they say, uh, Gates' announcement of the germ team coincides with the World Health Organization's drafting of the Global Pandemic Treaty. In the future, the pandemic treaty will not only ensure that member states abide by international health regulations, but will also put the human in the driver's seat, so to speak. Member states, including the US and Canada, will take their orders directly from the organization. As Conservative MP Leslie Lewis explains, the treaty includes 190 countries, basically every country, and will be legally binding. The treaty defines and classifies what is considered a pandemic, and this could consist of broad classifications, including an increase in cancers, heart conditions, strokes, etc. If a pandemic is declared, the WHO takes over the global health management of the pandemic. Of even more concern, if this treaty is enshrined, the WHO would be in full control over what gets called a pandemic. They could dictate how our doctors can respond, with which drugs can and cannot be used, or which vaccines are approved. We would end up with a one-size-fits-all approach for the entire world, a one-size-fits-all response to a health crisis that doesn't even work across that doesn't even work across Canada. Canada, let alone the entire globe. It is not unreasonable to assume that the germ team, as a new branch of the World Health Organization, would oversee making sure member states comply with the pandemic treaty after the draft, after the draft is finalized and member states sign on. The next question then is how the WHO and Bill Gates will be able to monitor every individual in every country to determine whether enough people are sick to justify locking their region down. To this end, the World Health Organization has contracted German-based Deutsche Telekom subsidiary T-Systems to develop a global vaccine passport system with plans to link every person on the planet to a QR code digital ID. Thus, there will be one pandemic treaty, one German team, one global vaccine passport, and one World Health Organization to monitor every person on the planet by the Bill Gates-owned World Health Organization, who and when it says in that quote, what is considered a pandemic, including an increase in cancers, heart conditions, strokes, what have we seen since the vaccine has been rolled out? An increase in heart conditions and strokes. So you fake a pandemic based on a virus that has never been proven to exist. You run out the vaccine for it. And what you then do is then is create this treaty to enshrine in law or legality not the same thing the problems people are having because of the vaccine constitute a new pandemic which gives you the excuse to roll out more vaccines and cause more problems and say that's another pandemic do it again that's another pandemic do it again that's another pandemic do it again ad infinitum to your heart's content if your heart still works 
Indeed, while countries around the world have scrubbed their COVID measures and backed away from vaccine passports, the WHO is still moving ahead with the Global Vaccine Passport Programme, and under this treaty, every country would have to adopt one. So if the WHO is given the authority to dictate biosecurity rules for the world, you can bet they'll insist on vaccine passports with built-in digital identity and readiness for a centralised programmable central bank digital currency. I'll talk more about that in a second. As reported by the Western Standard, the WHO fully intends to provide support to its 194 member states to facilitate the implementation of the digital verification technology of a country's national and regional verification of vaccine status. COVID-19 affects everyone. If you believe it exists, which it doesn't. And like I say, if you go high enough in the hierarchy, it's known that that was the case. Bill Gates knows the virus has never existed. It has from the start. It doesn't matter to him that there's been global devastation as a result of the claim that it does exist. When he's claimed it does exist, when he knows it doesn't, because he's such a nice man. Countries will therefore only emerge in a pandemic together. Vaccination certificates that are tamper-proof and digitally verifiable build trust. Who is therefore supporting member states in building national and regional trust networks and verification technology. The WHO's gateway service also serves as a bridge between regional systems. It can also be used as part of future vaccination campaigns and home-based records. So Garrett Mail, unit head of the WHO's Department of Digital Health and Innovation on Deutsche Telekom's, on Deutsche Telekom's website. And by the way, Bill Gates will know exactly the devastation this vaccine can cause, which is which he is funding through his support of the pharmaceutical cartel, which he is promoting people take when he knows what it can do based on a virus that he knows doesn't exist. He knows what it can do to children who even officially don't need to take it, based on a virus that he knows doesn't exist. If Bill Gates does not go to prison for the rest of his life for crimes against humanity, there is no such thing as justice. The article continues. The question now is, can we stop this international pandemic instrument that the WHO is seeking? With short notice, the WHO announced it would accept public comment on the treaty for a total of five days. The World Council for Health was among the, fact, the few that acted quickly enough to submit a comment in opposition to the treaty. Laurie delivered the World Council for Health submission in an April 26th update on Substat. Laurie wrote, despite the lack of notice, many grassroots organisations did what they could to spread the word and the World Council for Health to stop the treaty campaign reached an astonishing 415 million people. Many of you made written submissions expressing your concerns. So many of you, in fact, that I hear the WHO's website crashed on the last day. And there's some good news. Well, I mean, even if, even if this pandemic treaty comes into law and is signed and adopted, it's the people that decide what happens. The treaty might say, and the World Health Organization might say, you have to do this, but if people don't do it, Bloody useless, isn't it? If too many people say we're not doing it, it becomes unenforceable. So, although a pandemic treaty sounds scary, you know, people are making a big thing of it, really, it means nothing if people decide it means nothing. If people say we're not doing it, 
we're not doing what we're being told we have to do, then it becomes unenforceable. But that's up to the people to decide. I found an article in the Sun, not a paper that I read for, you know, anything other than purposes like this, but the headline is New Disease X could arrive in Britain any day as expert warns of signs major outbreak on the horizon. Britain could be hit by a new killer disease any day as there are signs of a major outbreak on the horizon and expert is warned. Professor Mark Walhouse, Professor of Infectious Disease Epidemiology at the University of Edinburgh believes disease X is just around the corner. The threat of unknown viruses that can be transmitted to humans and potentially cause widespread epidemics is known as disease X by the World Health Organization. Last year, they warned the next pandemic could be on the scale of the Black Death, which killed an estimated 75 million people. It comes as polio has been found in sewage treatment works in London, and there is some evidence of transmission in a small number of people. UK, UK Health Security Agency experts, that was formerly uh, Public Health England, believe a traveller, likely from Pakistan, Afghanistan or Nigeria, shed the virus in their stools after being given the oral polio inoculation. But the bug has now spread to others after mutating, with the same strain being repeatedly detected in sewage samples since May. And the UK has also seen cases of bird flu, Lassa fever, Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever and monkeypox this year. Professor Walhouse believes these infections are a sign of what is to come. He told The Telegraph that there's a name for what we're seeing at the moment in the UK and elsewhere. It's called chatter. It's a term anti-terrorist units use to describe the small events that might signify something more major on the horizon. Infectious, disease, infectious diseases work in much the same way. Anti-terrorist units. Not been a lot of terrorism going on, has there, in the last two and a half years? Maybe eventually the terrorists will get over their fear of a virus and get back to their hobby of blowing themselves up. The article continues. Scientists believe the next pandemic is likely caused by zoonotic diseases when infections jump from animals to humans. Out of the 1.67 million unknown viruses on the planet, up to 800, uh, 827,000 of these could have the ability to infect people from animals, according to the Eco-Health Alliance. Southeast Asia, Southern and Central Africa, areas around the Amazon and Eastern Australia were all identified as the areas of highest risk for new diseases in a study published in Nature Communications. And as the human population swells and moves further into animal habitats, the risk of the transmission of diseases to humans grows. The nightmare scenario is one of these new diseases or a strain of an older one emerges that is both highly contagious and highly deadly, allowing it to spread quickly and kill millions before the world can take action. Professor Warhouse continues, the early 21st century has been a perfect storm for emerging infectious diseases and everything is pointing towards the likelihood of more and more outbreaks. All the drivers of outbreaks are in fact getting worse, not better over time. The article continues, Brits are currently being urged to check their vaccine records to see they have been jabbed against polio as part of the NHS routine childhood vaccination schedule, but as many try to access their records, they have been left in confusion with GPs even struggling to understand if patients are up to date with it. Vaccines is given as a jab when a child is 8, 12 and 16 weeks old and two further shots are administered at 3 years and 4 months old and at 14 years old. It's almost like it's a competition, isn't it? It's just how many vaccines they can get into a child. So, disease X. What is that?
That's nothing more than be afraid. Afraid of what? I don't know. A disease. What disease? No, just we'll call it disease X. X sounds scary. That's nonsense. The new disease X could spread. I mean, that's like saying you could be run over if you cross the road. There's no name for the disease. There's no details. Of course, the mainstream media, they've made an article around it. Scientifically, that's nonsense. Of course, with the declaration of new virus outbreaks all over the place, you've got just what the cult need through the World Health Organization to continue the fascism or increase it that we've seen over the last two and a half years. The more people concede to fear over viruses, which is nothing more than ignorance actually, because of the wealth of scientific evidence and information, some of which I cover in the new book, and which doctors and medical professionals who have looked at the science behind viruses have shown over the last two and a half years, there is no scientific evidence for the claim that viruses exist and cause disease. But the more people who don't look at that just assume that viruses must exist and cause disease because they're told they do, which is what happened with COVID, then the more control and manipulation can be exerted on the human race. The article mentions bird flu and now there's a culling of chickens and this is all part of the creating the food shortages. It's long planned and it's in the means of control. If you control the money system, which they do, and you have tremendous control over humanity and if you control whether people eat or not, you have tremendous control and you can then dictate what people have to do to get access to food which is what you want them to do and if they do x y and z then they don't get access to food i talk in the new book about what caused the polio outbreak originally where polio came from and it was nothing to do with the virus this is in the daily mail children with long covid actually have a mental illness suggest health chiefs is there any wonder after what children have been subjected to the last two and a half years? The article says, Children who have supposedly been struck down by long COVID are actually suffering from mental illness, health chiefs have suggested. A government official told the mother of a child suffering from the chronic condition that some children have struggled to adapt to the challenges presented by the pandemic. Their response to a fake pandemic, more accurately, the civil servant wrote, well, whilst many children have shown remarkable resilience in difficult circumstances, the government know that there are those who have found this period especially difficult for the mental health and well-being. Children's mental health was already a problem before the last two and a half years. The letter goes on to list all the measures being taken to improve child mental health, including increased funding and greater access to mental health helplines. It adds that children with serious mental health illnesses will be offered face-to-face -face psychotherapy sessions. The phrase mental health is used 15 times in the 470-word response. Long COVID is not mentioned. While children are highly unlikely to experience serious COVID symptoms in the short term, growing evidence suggests they are susceptible to protracted ill health after even a mild infection. Sufferers can be hit with months of headaches, muscle pain and disabling fatigue, all of which can be caused by the COVID fake vaccine. A Danish study published 
In the Lancet, Child and Adolescent Health Journal showed that even infants and toddlers can experience long COVID. Sammy McFarlane wrote to the Prime Minister in April urging more research into finding a cure and greater accommodation for children struggling to keep up in school. Her daughter, Kitty, 16, has suffered with long COVID for more than two years. The ballet dancer still suffers from chronic fatigue and has often missed school. Sammy from Dorset has since set up a charity, Long COVID Kids, which lobbies for greater support and awareness. She says when she received a response to her letter from an unnamed official at the Department of Health and Social Care, she was outraged. To suggest that children with long COVID are not resilient enough is hugely insulting, not just to my child, but to all children with this chronic health condition. This letter shows that those at the heart of government don't understand the condition at all. Well, they don't care either. Putting masks on children for hours a day, for two and a half years ongoing, and not allowing them outside, what does anyone think would be the effect on health of that? And children today are the most targeted generation in, in human history. And I was pointing that out even before COVID. And they are the generation more than anyone else. This cult, this global cult that I've talked about many times before, want to suppress and bring in line with their agenda more than anyone else. Especially by the time they're adults. This is why the preparation is being laid now not least in terms of the woke agenda and in the new book I've got a whole chapter about woke because the central theme of the book is questioning everything and perception, how our perceptions are formed, how our perceptions create our experience and perceptual manipulation and there's no better example of that really than the woke mentality. Now this is an interesting story, this is in the Daily Mail, is E.T. a robot? Astronomer Royal says alien civilizations may have already transitioned from flesh and blood to machines and humans will eventually do the same. I talk about this agenda in the new book, the transition from what I call human 2.0, which is what we are now, to human 3.0. Because human 1, 1 point, human 1.0 was very different. The human today is not the human we've always been. And... You know, I've talked about this before in this podcast, but the range of what we can see is so infinitesimally tiny. Conventional science says that compared to the size of the universe, the electromagnetic spectrum, in other words, the light spectrum, which encompasses radiation and X-rays and radio waves and electromagnetic waves and light, is said to be about either 0.005% or 0.5%. There's you know different figures but either way it's a, it's a fraction but we can't see that we see a tiny fraction of that called visible light the visible part of the light electromagnetic spectrum which is a fraction of the 0.05% or 0.5% so the idea that alien life doesn't exist because we can't see it well we can't see hardly anything anyway we can't even see what technology can see that is within the range of the electromagnetic spectrum as a whole. Uh, so the article says, alien life on other planets could be in the form of robots who have outlived their creators according to the Astronomer Royal. And alarmingly, that is the same fate which may befall people on Earth too. Numerous Hollywood films have presented the possibilities of robots becoming self-aware and deciding to destroy humans so they can rule the world. 
On alien life, he said, I think if we were to detect anything artificial, I think it would not be a flesh and blood civilization like ours. I think it would be something robotic and electronic. If we imagine a timeline for our Earth, it's taken nearly four billion years for simple life to evolve into a civilization. And we've had technology for a few thousand years at most. It's certainly on the cards that after a few centuries more, 1,000 years, we will be superseded by electronic entities and they will be near immortal and they could go on for the rest of the universe's history. So they could go on for a few billion years, Lord Rees said. Well, it's very plausible because that is the agenda. As I talked about in detail in pay-per-view in print, my first book, and even deeper in this new book, the move from human 2.0 current human to human 3.0 which is a biological synthetic human controlled by technology and artificial intelligence and not to make humanity superhuman but to make them subhuman and I talk in the book about why I say that well it's not I'm not the only one saying it but why that AI is designed that and the smart grid this smart grid clown that the uh, Silicon Valley talking heads are promoting that's designed to be run by AI and anything connected to AI which is designed to be the human mind is designed to ultimately be run from Israel and the military intelligence networks in Israel so the article continues Lord Rees told the Hay Festival that humans could survive on other planets by making future explorers part cyborg he suggested modern space pioneers could try to modify themselves and become a mix of flesh blood and electronics although he suggested the idea of humans being human beings moving on mass to mars was delusional now maybe it's just me but this mars thing is all over the place and that's a common trait of the agenda is when something appears all over the place there is often i don't want to say always because is it really always it's often a sign that something is the agenda this thing about mars I felt for a long time there's something to do with going to Mars that is part of this cult agenda. Don't know what it is, but there's something about going to Mars. If they were, you know, shuttling people off to Mars tomorrow, I certainly would not be getting on. I certainly would not be first in line to get on that uh, rocket or spaceship. I can tell you. Uh, I have heard it said that you know the resources on Mars who gets the resources would have to be organised and that would benefit the cult because they can take control of the resources and say only if you do what we say will you get what you need to survive maybe that's part of it I don't know but there's something about going to Mars that is beneficial to this cult agenda anyway um, the article continues speaking in Cheltenham uh, Lord Reese said Man's space flight should be left to entrepreneurs like billionaires Elon Musk as a big red flag if he has anything to do with a trip to Mars. He is a complete fraud to many, even in the alternative media on the internet, believe is some kind of hero of freedom when he's actually behind projects like SpaceX and which is putting up satellites uh, to being Wi-Fi and 5G at the Earth. I've talked about 5G before in this podcast and uh, Tesla cars, electronic cars, uh, which are just a step from self-driving cars. And he says about how AI, and by the way, in the new book, I talk about what this AI really is. Elon Musk says that AI could be the end of humanity as we know it, correct, but then starts a company called Neuralink to connect the human brain to computers. And, you know, he's bought Twitter now, and people are saying, are we standing up for free speech? Well. Let's just, you know, take a step back on that one and 
just wait and see how that plays out. Uh, so Lord Reef said, manned space flight should be left to entrepreneurs like Elon Musk and Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, another, another gopher for the cult. Amazon was created to control retail and book publishing. The idea, and of course, Amazon's got a cashless stores, which is another part of the agenda, the cashless agenda. If you don't do what authority says, you don't have access to purchase anything. Talked about that before. Lord Reese said, "Man, space flight should be left to entrepreneurs like billionaires Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos." You know, another, just another thing on Bezos. People say he's the richest man in the world. I have to laugh, really. I mean, it is ridiculous. He's just a gopher for the cult that owns the global banking system. He's nowhere near the richest man in the world. Lord Reese said, "Gophers like, like Musk and Bezos should be left to preside over space flight, which is a red flag, rather than NASA." as they can send people into space more cheaply with a higher level of risk than the public agency. On future private spaceflight for ordinary people rather than astronauts, Lord Reef said even if the risks were high, there would be many volunteers, the kinds of people who go hang gliding or do dangerous mountaineering, etc. Lord Reef said some people may even accept one-way tickets to space in the vein of early explorers and want to live in space. By 2100, at the end of the century, I will expect that there will be some courageous thrill-seekers who have made the 200-day trip to Mars, he added. Why space explorers trying to survive on other planets really could become Cybermen? It's a question that has sent many a space fanatic into orbit. How will humans survive on other planets? Now one of the country's leading astronomers believes the answer could be even more out of this world by making future explorers part cyborg. There we go, maybe there's my answer. Why the attention on moving to Mars? Martin Rees, the astronomer royal, said... Modern space pioneers could try to modify themselves and become a mix of flesh, blood and electronics, referencing entrepreneurs such as Elon Musk. Lord Rees told the Hay Festival these intrepid explorers on Mars will be out of the clutches of the regulators and they will have every incentive to modify themselves because they are very badly adapted for Mars. There's signs that they're bringing Covid back. Oh yes. This is the Daily Mail. Increasing pressure to bring back hated mask mandates across Australia amid looming third COVID wave and raging flu season with hundreds of thousands of workers predicted to stay at home over the coming weeks. I mean, they just went absolutely crazy in Australia. Masks have become mandatory across Australia again as a looming COVID and flu crisis threatens to bring the nation to a standstill. Nearly a quarter of a million Aussies have tested positive for COVID with a test that can't test for the virus or any virus in the past week with states including New South Wales, Victoria, Queensland and Western Australia recorded more than 8,000 cases in the past 24 hours. Over the past week, New South Wales recorded the most infections with 61,000 while more than 50,000 people tested positive for the virus in Victoria. And these figures are expected to get worse in the coming weeks as the winter chill grips the nation and new highly infectious Omicron strain BA.5 becomes dominant. Australia is also now facing a double whammy with rising cases of the flu making this winter the worst influenza outbreak in years, causing chaos in the workforce. Now Queensland is tipped to be the first to bring back mass mandates in a bid to stem the tidal wave of infection. Queensland's Chief Health Officer Dr John Gerrard revealed there had been ongoing talks with interstate colleagues about mass mandates returning. I can say that nationally there is increasing pressure, we told 4BC's Peter Fagan. There was, a school of, there was a school of thought that we should be mandating mass again. Hundreds of thousands of workers are likely to be forced to stay home during the next month, adding to the crippling staff shortages, smashing many businesses nationwide. Influenza case data from the health department showed that the weekly figures have already gone past the five-year average and hit more than 147,000 this season. Queensland Premier Anastasia Palachuk 
had celebrated the lifting of almost all mask rules earlier this year with an awkward slow-motion video on social media showing her ripping off her mask. But it now looks like the celebrations may have been premature and short-lived and may affect other states too. The mask mandate was lifted for airports but passengers are still, are still required to wear them on the plane. Across the Sunshine State, masks are still required in healthcare settings, aged care, disability accommodation, prisons, detention centres, on public transport and in ride shares or taxis. Queensland, Queensland recorded a 12% rise in COVID-19 deaths over the past month with, with 199 fatalities in June compared to 177 in May. People who tested positive with a test that can't test for viruses and then dying of an, another cause, being labelled a COVID death. In truth, as I've pointed out many times before, Dr. Jarrah said the current strains of the virus have been evading both vaccine and natural immunity, but stressed vaccination was still the best protection with fourth boosters vital for those over 65. Those under 65 should have their three doses of a COVID vaccine, he added. We are seeing the establishment of a new wave of COVID. These BA plus... These BA.4 and BA.5 sub-variants that are causing a significant wave in the moment, Dr. Gerard said. Infection with this virus will be very common. You will know a lot of people infected with this strain of the virus in the coming weeks. Well, only if they get tested. The majority of people that are being admitted to hospital in Queensland are people over the age of 65 who are not up to date with their vaccinations. That has actually shocked me that most of those people are not up to date with their vaccinations, he says. Well, maybe they've got a bit of intelligence. And an open mind to look at other information. Hospitalizations are set to spike significantly, he warned with numbers expected to soar from the current 600 people being treated in the state's hospitals. He added, they, the vaccines do protect us, particularly if we're up to date with boosters, they protect us against severe disease, that's the most critical thing. Well, look at the numbers of people who injured and dead from these fake vaccines and the idea that they protect people from serious disease and illness is a joke. Austrian, Australian even, Chamber of Commerce and Industry Chief Executive Andrew McKellar said the current spate of COVID and flu-related absences combined with existing national staff shortages is ultimately causing a massive blow to productivity. Some businesses that are already in a fragile position due to labour shortages will have no choice but to close their doors temporarily when illness hits, Mr McKellar said. Staff shortages have not been more acute in living memory. Small businesses suffered the shock of a forced shutdowns during the height of the pandemic. Now they are the most vulnerable to staff absences if illness enters the workplace. Infectious diseases expert Dr. Paul Griffin warned that widespread complacency will see the compulsory return of masks. I'd like to think they won't be required, but if they are, then it might be something that comes back more broadly and then is reduced as we get a hold of things again, he said. But again, I hope that's not something that has to happen. Well, in terms of variants, which this article mentions, I've talked about the fraud of viral genome sequencing before and where variants come from I talked about in a segment I recorded called Omicron Variations on a Theme COVID is being reintroduced, COVID policy is being reintroduced in one country we need to watch it because that's a sign that it can be introduced elsewhere and it's not the experts so called they're so much of an expert they know a heck of a lot about a virus that doesn't exist and what this the new book does call for quite strongly is for people to take back their own perceptions and take responsibility over their own perceptions and therefore the actions that come from those perceptions because people have been giving their mind away for generations on this planet 
because it's people listening to the alleged experts without a first thought, never mind a second one, that has created the devastation we're seeing now and the devastation of the last two and a half years as a result of the COVID hoax. And I'm going to go as far as to say this. As long as people keep giving their mind away to experts, they will never be free. Two reasons. One, the experts they see and hear are experts through the mainstream channels, which will only repeat the official narrative. And the official narrative is the narrative that is an excuse to advance the cult's agenda of human control and suppression. The other reason is they won't be free because they won't have perceptual freedom. They won't have the freedom that they could have if they chose to have it to form their own opinions and see things the way they see them and not the way they're told to see them. And there's never been a more important time in human history than now for people to do that. And it's just a choice and we can make that a choice and some of us already have whenever we choose. So that's it for this week. That's the news, that's the contesting connections, that's pay-per-view. More to come next week. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>